Global Head of Sovereign Ratings at Fitch, Jack Su, Director and Senior APAC Strategist at Credit Suisse, and our International Economics Correspondent, Barry Wood. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's take mm. a final look at the markets uh, for this morning. First of all, uh, in Australia, the SX200 is up about three quarters of a percent. In Japan, the Nikkei 225 is more or less flat. Similar story in South Korea, where the Cosby is also flat. Uh, looks like the Hang Seng is going to add about 80 points or so at the open when trading gets going this morning. Thank you very much for listening this morning. Do stay tuned for Back Chat with Hugh Chiverton and Anna Fenton. The weather forecast for today, mainly cloudy, few showers, isolated thunderstorms at first and then sunny periods during the day. Maximum temperature is going to be around 32 degrees. It's going to be windy in the next couple of days with sunny intervals tomorrow and then more showers towards the weekend. Temperature right now out at the observatory is 28 degrees and it's 93% relative humidity. Coming up to 8.32, here's Samantha Butler with the half-hour news. A public doctor says the low number of coronavirus cases discovered in the government's two-week testing scheme isn't reassuring as the global pandemic is worsening. The scheme found 32 new cases after testing almost 1.8 million people at a cost of $530 million. Dr Arasina Ma, the president of the Hong Kong Public Doctors Association, says future testing should use saliva samples which people can do themselves to reduce the cost of setting up collection centres with health staff to take throat swabs. Dr said people must remain vigilant. I don't feel that reassuring. First of all, we see that globally the pandemic seems to get worsened again, especially when it's approaching the winter time. Countries around actually getting more and more cases. So I think the fourth wave actually may come quite soon and maybe even worse than the third or the second wave. Of course, we gained some experience during this episode and this mass testing, but actually we don't know what the condition will be, especially in the winter time when it makes The World Trade Organization has ruled that U.S. trade tariffs on Chinese goods worth more than $200 billion are illegal. China said it hoped the U.S. would respect the ruling. But the U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer rejected it, saying it showed the WTO was unable to stop China's trade violations. Here's the BBC's Samira Hussein. The world governing body for international trade said the United States broke the rules back in 2018 when it imposed duties on roughly $200 billion worth of Chinese goods. The U.S. argued the tariffs were in response to China's unfair trade practices and technology theft. But China said the taxes violated trade regulations because they were higher than what the rules allowed for and targeted only one country. The Trump administration may appeal the decision. U.S. trade officials have dropped plans for a 10% levy on Canadian aluminium just hours before Canada was due to retaliate with tariffs on American imports. Washington had been prepared to raise duties after a surge in aluminium imports earlier this year, but it now forecasts these are returning to normal levels. Canada's finance minister, Christia Freeland, welcomed what she said was a return to common sense. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Hugh Chiverton, your co-host today. Anna Fenton. Anna, good morning to you. Good morning, everybody. Today we're talking about mass testing effectiveness, the latest measures and what sort of shape our economy is in. 
About 1.78 million people joined the government's mass testing programme for COVID-19 that ended on Monday, which identified 42 infections. They put the cost at $530 million, saying it's made multiple contributions to our anti-epidemic efforts and it's not right to reflect or measure these benefits by the unit cost of a confirmed case. And the government has unveiled a third round of relief funding amounting to some $24 billion. Vaccines and quarantine capacity upgrades form part of the latest package, and there's cash injections for various sectors, but no repeat of a general handout. And the administration has also relaxed some of the restrictions starting from this coming Friday. Bars will be allowed to open till midnight, karaoke will resume business, and swimming pools will be reopened. What do you think about those decisions? Let us know by leaving a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3, by emailing us, backchat at rthk.hk is the address, or you can call us, and our number is 233-88266, 233-88266. Just before we talk about uh, today's topic, and we're talking um, money first, and then medicine uh, after the news at night, uh, a few uh, emails relating to uh, earlier programmes. Uh, Lewis says, Hugh, well done for dissecting the completely ridiculous arguments put forward by Edward Chin. This was in yesterday. I hope Mr Chin manages his hedge fund better than his attempts to defend arsonists, bomb makers and rioters. Greg says, on Toby, uh, who's a correspondent sometimes uh, on the programme, I strongly object to my hard-earned tax dollars going to support a police officer using government property to push his political agenda on your programme. Toby is flouting fierce regulations. Look it up, Toby, and hand yourself into the nearest police station or go down to see the desk sergeant if you're at work. That's from Greg. Andrew Kay says, uh, with the subject line, rioters, I had to laugh at Lee Chuck Yan and short hair struggling to get some publicity out of their court appearance today. That's uh, yesterday. Uh, I would have thought they would be swimming to Taiwan by now. Time they disappeared from view. Uh, Mary says, uh, with the subject line, Gold Bauhinia for Michael Teen. Unfortunately, RTHK does not appear to have pr- provided a printout of Michael Teen's concise and accurate take on systemic management failures at the MTR. His line, top management should be accountable because they don't know what they don't know, sums it up. If only the other pro-establishment lawmakers were as astute. That comes uh, from Mary. Uh, our, our email address once again backchat at rthk.hk a couple of other comments which will work into the programme perhaps. Joining us now uh, we have Edward Yam, a political commentator, managing director of IASA Globo, a subsidiary of a main board listed company and Dr Andrew Yoon senior lecturer of Department of Decision Sciences and Managerial Economics and academic director of the MBA programme at the Chinese University of Hong Kong Business School. Good morning to both of you and thank you for, for joining us. Uh, maybe, uh, Andrew Yoon, if we could start with you. Um, thank, thanks for joining us. Um, so uh, the government, as I say, has, has uh, said they're going to put another $24 billion into uh, relief funding. Quite a bit of that going to uh, setting aside for to pay for a vaccine and for upgrading quarantine capacities and things and to target uh, industries uh, in the kind of way they have been doing so far. What, what, what do you make of that as a decision? So I, I, I don't think that the current measures are to revive the economy. So the recovery of Hong Kong economy will finally depend on the epidemic situation in Hong Kong and other parts of the world, as Hong Kong is an externally oriented economy. So the measures, just like the uh, machines at the hospital emergency room, to make sure Hong Kong economy is alive. 
So there are more to uh, stabilize the economy as well as to uh, to avoid uh, triggering some uh, systematic risk. Uh, for example, if there's a massive unemployment, bankruptcy, and a company shutdown, it could lead to uh, bad debt problems in the banking sy- uh, system and a negative chain reaction. We've already seen signs that some companies, most notably uh, Cathay Pacific, are not taking the latest round of employee assistance because they want to lay people off. Do you think that's going to be a trend? Uh, it is quite possible because the uh, subsidy is just a short-term uh, measures to uh, make the company survive. But if you are talking about the airline industries, uh, it is expected that the uh, recovery will still have a long way to go. So it's just, the subsidy itself cannot make the uh, company alive, but they need to have the, uh, some uh, company restructuring, so including a uh, layoff the staff. Mm. If we talk about the airline industry, how do you see it recovering? Because surely until tourism starts again globally, they simply cannot recover. Yeah, so this is not just uh, from the uh, government uh, support. It finally depends on the pandemic situation in different countries. So if Hong Kong is doing well, and then uh, we can uh, create the so-called uh, travel uh, purpose with other regions, especially for the uh, Soho market, then it will help the uh, airlines uh, at least survive. And then say in uh, uh, 2024, then uh, there might be uh, the recovery. Uh, and do you think these measures are going to work in the, in the goal that you outlined? difficult to, un- uh, to, to answer this question. Finally, it depends on the uh, development of the uh, pandemic uh, situation. So if uh, Hong Kong and other Asian countries are doing uh, okay, then uh, we can open the borders, then uh, we have uh, uh, passengers and uh, um, tourists come back, then uh, the, the, the measures may be effective with this, uh, these conditions. So can you see it that we have sort of regions that operate as regions, but not globally, rather than at the moment countries are sealed. Do you see it coming to the point that we have sealed regions? Probably in, in, in the com- coming years, it is really uh, difficult to um, open the borders uh, in, in the global economy, especially for the airline. Uh, so there's a, a local market, there's a lot of risk for you to uh, travel to uh, one uh, region to an, another region. But within the region, say, uh, if we have the um, travel proposed with uh, Japan, uh, Vietnam, uh, Thailand, or even uh, mainland China, that it is more likely a scenario in the coming years. What, what about the decision to, to not give out, not do a general handout like they did in the past with the, with the 10,000? Is that a, what do you make of that? I believe the uh, every cash uh, handout campaign will involve huge amounts of public money. So it's important to consider how to use the money properly and effectively. So given the current situation, I believe the priority should be given to those who are really in it, including unemployed and uh, low-income people and uh, worst-hit industries. However, when the pandemic situation is improved, then the government may consider another one of a cash handout uh, to the public uh, to boost the consumer sentiments and confidence. Uh, it might be crucial for the uh, local economy recovery. But now is not the moment for another one of a cash handout complaint. I mean, overall, it seems a little bit more conservative than the, than the bailouts in the, in the past. It seems like the government sort of uh, keeping its powder a little bit drier. Is that how you see it? Yeah, I do, I do think so, yeah. They're yeah. being a bit more cautious. Yeah, they're very cautious, yeah. Okay, Edward Yam, good morning to you. Yeah, morning. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. What do you make of the Welcome. latest uh, package? Well, uh, I'm a big fan of cash handout. So, well, uh, I, I think the government should do it again. Uh, 10,000 last round 
think to many people not not quite sufficient. Um, a lot of us uh, in Hong Kong are going through the toughest time of all, um, and I think the government should uh, send us all these resources um, to help people to get through. So uh, I think cash handouts are the most direct uh, and cost-effective as well, because right now, uh, no matter how the package is, uh, it's going to be some people benefit, of course. Uh, that's being uh, a question of whether it's fair, whether it's subjective or objective, and also, more importantly, the government needs to do some selection. And uh, whenever a selection involves, um, then well, I, well, no, no one is quite certain about um, the standards or the guidelines or how they determine who is going to be benefit uh, from from all these packages. So, well, for example, now they announced like 23 industries um, will be uh, receiving government subsidies. Then why not 50? Or how come it's these 23? So a lot of questions follow. Uh, so that's why I think um, well, I, 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 I'm not saying uh, the government should not help these industries. But again, uh, why not cash handouts? And talking about the price of the vaccines or, or you know, uh, the future medicine or the healing methodologies uh, to the virus, um, I think, um, well, once again, it's, it's about the, the price tag. I mean, how much it costs us to, to pay. Like the, the testing that we just did, um, we spent 500 million plus, right? Um, and and we, we just identified 18 or, you know, less than 100 cases. So whether it's cost efficient and, and also whether we should spend this kind of money. So I guess, you know, well, we understand, of course, we, we like to see the vaccines. We like to have, um, you know, some solutions uh, for every of us. But it's just that um, how much we are going to pay. So come the day we get the vaccine, which by reasonable estimates seems to be the middle of 2021, that's give or take a year from now. What measures do you think the government can usefully take to keep us afloat until then? Well, I think um, in terms of public health, I think we're doing fine. I mean, Hong Kong uh, is considered one of the best performances right now, you know, among all countries and uh, everywhere in the world. So I, I guess um, for what we have been doing, I think it, it should be good enough. Uh, it's just that right now, again, it's, it's talking about financial and uh, economic um, solutions. Then uh, I, I think cash handout is, is definitely something that the government should consider. Um, and uh, well, I, I, well, of course, uh, people talk about uh, even our financial secretary, uh, Mr. Paul Chen, mentioned um, there's limited resources and our uh, reserves dropped to 800 billion um, after this year's deficit, but still. We've got 800 billion, which is richer than many, many, many governments. And uh, during this like toughest time of Hong Kong, I, I believe the government should be more generous. Yep. So we, we still have reserve to do even more. And uh, from now to next year, there will we anticipate maybe three, four more quarters of uh, top economies. Uh, but still, like these 800 billion of dollars of reserves uh, should be able to at least uh, ease off a little bit and. Uh, help us through the toughest time. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Yoon, what do you think about the level of the reserves? Um, so 
it is very difficult to compare the uh, reserve level for Hong Kong and other regions or countries. So uh, one of the reasons is about the uh, economic structure of Hong Kong. Uh, we are facing the aging uh, population issues, um, so we need to have more reserve to prepare for the future. Uh, another issue is the uh, link exchange rate. So we also need to keep uh, enough reserve to defend any attack uh, of the uh, link exchange rate system in the future. So it should be very careful when we say how to use our reserve. Uh, are you a fan of cash handouts? Sorry? Do you, what do you think of the cash handouts? I, 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 actually, I do not support the uh, cash handout at this moment. I, I think it should be a more focus to help uh, uh, people who are re- really in it. What, what about the points made there by Mr. Yam that it's uh, there are very difficult questions when it, if you're going to support one industry and not another, or one company, one you know, one area, not another? How do you justify that? The final is the, the responsibility of the government, so they, they need to explain clearly uh, to the public uh, what are the rationale behind which uh, industry is selected, uh, what are the problems they're facing. So finally, this is the, uh, um, um, the responsibility of the government. Okay, what, what about uh, the, the property market? Uh, Edward Yam, what's, what's, mm-hmm. going, what's going on there? It doesn't seem to have been hardly touched. By the uh, oh. by, by the problems. What's going on? We we, we saw actually we, we saw some discounted prices already. So uh, I guess uh, the trend will become more significant uh, in the next coming months. Uh, but yeah, go back to what Andrew just said. Um, well, to defend our Hong Kong dollar, to defend our currency, actually we do have another reserve and a part of the reserve. So the reserve that I talked about, the eight hundred billion reserve, is for financial and, and for all the expenses. Uh, uh, by the government, but not the currency. So we do have, uh, I believe, uh, up to date, the figure should be about 400 billion US dollars as our currency reserves. So uh, we should be able to defend our Hong Kong dollar in any case. Uh, but anyways, um, again, uh, the uh, stock prices seems fine. You know, everybody see, you know, uh, US stocks, especially the tech stocks, they're going up and up. Um, and uh, Hong Kong, the stock market are rather uh, positive as well. Um, just the, well, the, um, well, if we talk about real estate, uh, we, we see, I think, um, people can feel the sentiment. Uh, if especially some people are considering, uh, immigration or leaving Hong Kong in the near future, um, they lost the confidence in Hong Kong, the outlook or, uh, not only economic, but also, uh, political and, uh, even the legal system, such and such. So um, I think, uh, well, real estate prices will, be, will, will, will reflect it slowly, but uh, it will come. So uh, my forecast is But that, if, if uh, that was true, yeah. if, the, if there was that loss of confidence, you'd see it reflected in the economy. But I'm saying, you know, we, uh, in, you know the usual indicators would be probably market, stock market. Uh, but it doesn't seem to be happening. So what do we learn well, from that? Um, well, the stock market, uh, of course, um, it, it, it takes a lot of factors. I mean... Um, the hot money flowing in from the other regions into Hong Kong that also helps um, the uh, index a little bit. Um, that's why you know, well, people, some people are optimistic, some people are pessimistic, um, or some international investors they may come in for the IPOs, which you know we see many, many uh, IPOs, new new stocks, new company get listed in Hong Kong um, uh, in the second half of this year and also anticipated next year as well. So, um, yeah, some people are optimistic about this, and also they are, you know, these kind of hot monies are chasing these kind of opportunities. 
So that's why, you know, some people are actually transferring in the money into Hong Kong. But on the other hand, uh, some people who had been living here or who had been uh, Hong Kong residents may be thinking of the other way. So they might book their money or they might transfer their money out to somewhere else. So it, 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 I think um, the market is just, just well, uh, it includes too many factors. This is not only the confidence level of Hong Kong people. So that's why, you know, we, we don't see a significant impact so far. But um, it may, you know, later on after the wave of IPOs, then uh, if the hot money leaves or, or some foreign investment, uh, they, they might also leave Hong Kong. And, and yeah, we will see perhaps uh, a, a significant drop in, in the stock prices as well. So the property market is an interesting one, isn't it? Because if you look at um, the performance of property in the U.S., it's going up. And the reason for that, given, is that people are now spending more time in their homes. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm hearing um, from architects in, in Dublin and in London that they're very, very busy with people wanting them to put on loft extensions and turn uh, you know, the space in the roof into an office. And people are really investing in their properties. So. Uh, also in China, that the property market's very buoyant. So, does that have any implications for Hong Kong, or is it just a different situation? Well, again, globally, I think um, the real estate market is supported by the low interest rate and the sufficient cash flow of, you know, basically everybody, uh, every government is doing QE. So, QE plus the low interest rate actually helps uh, the real estate market to sustain a little bit. And of course, you know, people need to live somewhere or they, they, they usually would like to purchase um, their own houses or uh, their own residence. So uh, if there was some strong demand or some solid demand uh, or to maintain um, the basic level of this kind of uh, real estate prices. Um, but again, uh, if for investment uses or if for Hong Kong particularly, it may not be true uh, or it may not sustain for long. And another indication for uh, the confidence of people in Hong Kong, whether they're leaving or staying, uh, we can take a look at the NPF. Um, it's interesting that we saw uh, in uh, the previous month, uh, we had a record high uh, leaving of uh, NPF account. So um, people are actually closing their NPF accounts in Hong Kong. And these are usually uh, quite long term. So they have to make a declaration. They have to um, promise to uh, uh, MPF and saying, okay, uh, they are not going to work in Hong Kong anymore in order to take the, uh, their entire amount of money out from the MPF account. So, and, and I, I believe I saw the figure, I saw some reports saying um, in, pre- in previous months we had seen, um, I think, over 20,000 of people doing so. Uh, again, you know, this is also another indicator of uh, local people leaving Hong Kong and decided not to work here anymore. Mm. 20,000 is not very many, though, relatively, is it? Oh, well, but the trend is it's going up. So from none or from barely very minimal level to every month at this, like, 20,000 or even more later, uh, you can see how the trend is going. Uh, Andrew, you any, any thoughts on that? And, and also, if if the stock market and uh, property markets are, are still fairly uh, active, that means uh, stamp duty. That's still that means income for the government as well, doesn't it? 
I think going, going back to um, the, the observation, there's a big link between the um, real economy and the property market. Uh, finally, the, the property is not just the, just like other consumer goods; it is also the uh, investment products. And uh, we observe a vicious cycle: is that if the economy is not doing uh, well, uh, then the central bank will uh, launch the uh, 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 loosen the monetary uh, policy, and uh, for example, the quantitative uh, easing program, and uh, there are lots of hot hot money fall into the uh, stock market, uh, uh, stock market, and also the uh, property market. And Hong Kong is a very special uh, situation uh, because we, uh, again we have the link exchange rate system, so um, we cannot control our interest rate. So uh, once um, the Federal Reserve Board reduces the interest rate and uh, have a quantitative easing, uh, then uh, the hot money will just fall into Hong Kong. So I think this is the major reason why we observe a more resilient uh, property uh, market in Hong Kong. We never have cold money, do we? It's funny that. Uh, yeah. So because Hong Kong is a very ex- externally uh, oriented economy, so it's very sensitive to the uh, monetary policy in different countries and also um, the global economy. So hot money just goes in and out uh, for Hong Kong as the uh, international financial center. Okay. Uh, an email from S who says, so the supermarkets increased prices and then gave discounts. Also, the price of petrol at the filling stations has not gone down. Is the government monitoring any of this? Uh, also, was there proper strict monitoring of social distancing in the queues for mass COVID testing? The authorities could have been equally vigilant here. Uh, uh, Andrew Ewan, I think a lot of people will say, yeah, there doesn't seem to be much, uh, prices are not going down, prices of pretty much everything are staying as they were or, e- or even going up. Uh, how come if we're in uh, such a depression? for the government or other uh, external organization to affect the uh, market prices, uh, even though the government have the uh, policy, uh, if they give the subsidy to the uh, supermarket, uh, they ask them to uh, give the discount. But the mechanism is quite complicated, so they have a lot of room uh, to get rid of the uh, discount uh, requirement. Well, they just but have a lot of leaders, do Sorry, let me add a point. Um, sorry about that. Um, but again, you know, that's an example of how the government might be too subjective or how their interference may not work as they want or in the direction that they anticipated. So that's why, you know, again, um, well, let me go back to my first point of view is that, um, uh, again, cash handout is the most direct, most cost effective and the government does not have to do too many, but they benefit everyone. Okay, here's, an, here's a comment from Jay, who says, Here we go again. The government thinks the poor can live on thin air. We're not hearing anything about prosecution on corporations that are exploiting the system. We're not seeing any property come down in price. Then there are probably more small businesses in Hong Kong than corporations. Property is still holding high price because it's going to be sold to China, Chinese with the money. Just look at the new territories. Those houses are not for Hong Kong people. Many Chinese IPOs. That comes uh, from uh, Jay. Um, Edward Leon, what would you expect in terms of of, uh, unemployment? Uh, Do you think that's going to be significantly affected? Of course, of course. It will go up. It will still go up. Um, And you see, you know, some big corporates, they refuse to get the subsidy from the government. um, And and that shows that they are planning to cut more headcounts in the near future. Um, And that's why, you know, that's why it's still favorable to uh, cash handouts. Because I don't understand the point of why we have to wait until the economy picks up a little bit, then, you know, we give cash to everybody to spend. Well, why not right now? We are, we are in the midst of the toughest 
time of Hong Kong, why not pay cash to everybody right now? Why did you wait? So, um, and, and again, this is the most direct and effective way to have to, to let people um, to feel well. Some people, if they decide to invest further, to save it or to spend it or to just basically uh, afford all the uh, daily expenses, uh, expenditures, everything. Well, I think everyone has their own uses, but again, cash is the most powerful tool to jumpstart everybody's life. So do you think there should be a means test element of this? Well, no. It should be no test, no prerequisite, no nothing, just basically cash to everybody. That's, that's also save uh, administration costs to the government. And, and you see, the last round, everybody received $10,000. No one complained. But if the government announced some new policies, like right now they have to do some selection on industries, on who will benefit, uh, whether it's the employers or the employees, they also have to monitor the aftermath such and such, it also costs the government money and human resources. So why not just paying cash? I think, you know, it's a smart choice. You could buy the people off, is that what you're saying? You could um, keep them happy by giving them all 10000 Um. Well, well, right now, of course, you know, the sentiment is very important as well. Um, not buying people's mind, but also um, people. Some, some of the people are really in need of cash, are really in need of help. Uh, and they, they, they cannot wait. I, I don't see the point of waiting, so uh, why not do it right now? Uh, if, if people are in a situation where $10,000 is going to make a lot of difference to the way they live, surely they should have more than $10,000. They should have they should have $30,000 or something, and they, you should yeah, I, be wasting I, I, I the money on the people who really, yeah, for whom it really won't sure, make any disagree. difference. $10,000 is just, you know, uh, I think it's a bare minimum for you know people who are in need of it. Uh, but yeah, well, then give them more forward. and give the right. other people less. Give the other people who don't need it less. But again, you know, how to define it, how to draw the line. You know, if you have to spend time and spend all the effort to draw this line, why not just giving everyone the same amount, even a higher amount? It's okay, I think. Uh, again, our reserve can afford it. Okay. So why not doing it more? All yeah. right. Edward Yum, thanks for joining us, political commentator, and uh, Dr. Andrew Yoon, senior lecturer uh, at the Department of Decision Sciences and Managerial Economics at the uh, Hong Kong Chinese University Business School. The weather mainly cloudy with a few showers, 29 degrees. Hum- now humidity is at 91%. After the US, here's the BBC's Yogita Lamai. Over the past week, the number of daily new coronavirus infections in India has been nearly three times of what's been reported in the US. More than a 1,000 people are dying of COVID-19 each day in the country. Hospitals in many cities are running out of intensive care beds and oxygen supplies. The government has been highlighting that the number of Indians dying of COVID-19 relative to the size of its population is a lot lower than in other countries badly hit. So far, there is no indication that another lockdown is being considered. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back this Wednesday morning with Anna Fenton and me, Hugh Chiverton, talking about aspects of uh, COVID-19. We were talking about the economy uh, with the government's bailout package under scrutiny. Uh, And uh, we're going to be talking uh, between now and uh, 9.30 this morning about uh, lessons learnt from the mass testing and also the uh, the new measures, uh, the relaxing of measures in certain areas which have been uh, introduced. Uh, Swimming pools open, but uh, not beaches. I know some people are quite exercised about that. Uh, Joining us for discussion 
conversation we have with us now, Dr. Kwok Kaki, civic party lawmaker, and Henry Young, president of the uh, Hong Kong Doctors Union, will also be joining us shortly, uh, we hope. Uh, our number, once again, if you want to join the conversation, 233 88266. 233 88266. Uh, or you can email backchat at rthk.hk and we'll, we'll read out your messages uh, as long as they are to the point and uh, not abusive phil b says uh, just an observation i was at the saikung covid test center this friday morning and had to wait an hour about an hour to be tested during that time i did not see one young person all were mature persons and helpers uh, the pro-democrats have a lot to answer for by encouraging the boycott of the test anyone tested positive is one less to worry about and reduces the opportunity to spread the virus once again the democrats have let the city down that comes uh, from phil b if you were there on a friday morning phil b wouldn't that be because i mean the young people would be at work wouldn't they uh, and not in saikong possibly um all right uh observation from tom uh, who says testing 24% of the population has shown 42 COVID cases, implying there's most likely another 120 still out there. Opening karaoke and indoors bars until midnight is not a good idea. I will continue to wear my mask and do my drinking and singing at home alone. Who wants to join? There you go, an open invitation from Tom. Uh, who also says the team of 579 mainland medical staff are returning to China with the mother load of 1.8 million nasal swabs eagerly awaiting the plot twists the Apple Daily can write into their ongoing China sci-fi novella. They also need to tie up the plot twists of the Three Gorges Dam not collapsing. That comes uh, from Tom. And uh, Matthew says, regarding the mass testing programme, the low participation rate and number of cases identified tell the story. Less than a quarter of the population chose to participate, which was about one third of the government's aspiration. This indicates that even a large number of those who supposedly trust and support the government and CCP chose not to participate. Many who did participate were coerced into doing so by employers. Such a low participation rate for a high-value free test like this one during a global pandemic is quite mind-blowing. Those who forced this ineffective solution on Hong Kong people and advocated for it would be better off reflecting why it failed so badly rather than desperately trying to spin it into a propaganda victory. But we all know that's not going to happen. That comes uh, from Matthew. Uh, Dr. Kwok, was this a was this a success or was it a failure or was it something uh, in between? Is it a glass half full and you can look at it either way? <laughs> it's hard to say because the, the, our secretary say, it, you know, they won't uh, count the cost. So don't mention about the cost because all the, pain, all the money spent will be worthwhile in their eyes. But of course, it's actually in contrast to most of the other countries. Uh, when we take up the literature of the European uh, EU and also WHO, every study the priority uh, in considering whether we should do a so-called massive population test is cost-effectiveness and the purpose of the test. Now, when you back to square one, uh, why are we doing that, this sort of uh, massive test is because of the third wave. And in April and March, we have 23 consecutive days without a single case. It was actually the so-called enlargement of the extended policy and also releasing a lot quickly about this social distancing in the different premises, which trigger this first wave. So the point is not depending on this test to cut the source of the infection. We need to cut 
by you know you know reversing some wrong wrongful policy. Um, but if you're talking about the test, uh, if you take into the target of the government before the, they launch the test, five to six million, it is certainly a failure. And secondly, if you talk about whether it is worth out... Oh, I never out, heard, sorry, I never heard six million. I heard four or five being mentioned by Sophia Chan and so Never on, mind. They, they actually, uh, yeah, they, they wanted to have five to six, but it, no, no, it doesn't really matter on the numbers of uh, that because they changed the target, you know, uh, very, very recently, you know, every time they want to change the target. But it, it, is one, it is not the point. The point is, if you really want to do a massive test to cut the source of the infection, it needs need to be coupled with a couple of uh, policies. You need to have a very proper policy to screen all patients, uh, all people coming in Hong Kong at the border, number one. Number two, you would advise the people not to move around or even stop working, stay at home during that period in order to cut the source of the, of the uh, infection. This needs to be done for any test to be, you know, useful. But the, because of uh, the government has actually doing this half-heartedly and they cannot convince the people to stop, you know, working or, you know, going to anywhere else at home. So they, they, they need to change the, the, the um, change the, uh, way to conduct the test. And the outcome is, is we call this a random testing. For any random testing, you need to balance between the, the, the effectiveness, the cost effectiveness. If, then if we count the cost effectiveness, it is a failure because out of these 42 cases, confirmed cases, 10 is actually close contact and other nine, uh, 29 is having symptoms. So it's only 13, one, three out of all those 42 cases is without symptoms. The purpose of the test is to take out this invisible patient. So these 13 invisible patients cost us, you know, about um, 530 um, million uh, on the Hong Kong side. We don't know about the China side. Uh, you know, a lot of people trust that the test will be able to help them, but in fact, it's not the case. So if you count all these things into consideration, the test is actually useless, I'm afraid to say, yeah. So if we move forward from where we are now, how can we uh, counter what seems to be the pattern elsewhere in the world is that cases are inexorably on the uptick again. Now, if we count the, out, the whole global situation, the, the most important thing for Hong Kong is to, you know, we seriously uh, guard our border. So for any single person coming into Hong Kong, we would like to test them. And we make sure that before embark on you know, on the plane, which we have done, you know, for some selected countries, uh, we test the cases. And in Hong Kong, we test again the COVID. But this doesn't apply to all because, you know, a lot of uh, so-called exempted persons, we still had a lot of exempted persons without doing uh, any testing before they entering Hong Kong and they don't need to observe the quarantine period. Of course, we may need to readjust the so-called uh, quarantine period. Maybe we can consider the shorten the period from 14 days to like a week uh, by doing more testing. But we need to be very, very stringent at the border. And that is the only way we can protect the community. If we can protect the, you know, our community by doing more stringent border uh, quarantine measures, then the community itself is safe. Just like many countries, if you look in Taiwan, if you look in 
uh, Macau. So in Taiwan, they only have 400 odd cases, you know, uh, from February since the, the pandemic. Uh, it's very, uh, it's very impressive. The only way they are doing is they strict, they follow stringently on the uh, border control and the quarantine test. So in Taiwan, they come, they, they have a lot of uh, measure at the border, but in, within the city, within the country, they they can be left. You know, tremendously. So people can travel within Taiwan to the many outlying islands. The economy, the the in-house economy, is actually uh, fighting very good. So if we really want to help Hong Kong, you know, the at least the local economy, we should, you know, try our very best to um, make sure that the quarantine measure is being carried out stringently at the border. What, 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 and by doing so. Yeah, I mean, the, the government's also spoken about the data that's that we've, you know, what we've learned about the situation in, in Hong Kong. What do you think we've learned? Because, uh, you know, we if we say there are perhaps 160 cases uh, uh, in, in Hong Kong uh, that we don't know about, well, we'll say 120 now that we don't know about, uh, to scale things up, uh, what follows from that? Is that a lot or is that a little? Should we be worried or should we continue wearing masks? I mean, if you look at it, you know, sort of statistically, the chance of you being in contact with somebody who's got the disease is very, very, very small, isn't it? Uh, yeah. So yeah. does that mean we don't need masks anymore? Now, if we can make sure that the border's control is good and we have, you know, wait for maybe 14 days that we have uh, zero cases or single-digit cases, we can take off our masks. Provided that we are doing a lot, doing sufficiently at the border. The only lesson we learn from this is the third way is about a wrongful policy of so-called the enlargement or the, of the exempted policy. And that is the culprit of the whole third ways of the, of the strike in Hong Kong. And we must learn from that and we need to start from that. So we actually may be coming, you know, to a situation in May, in April or May that we have, you know, Maybe we have 23, just like May, uh, April and May, we have more than three weeks without a single cases. But if we're doing something in the wrong direction, like we, we lack the border, you know, uh, tremendously, we allow a lot of tourists coming in Hong Kong, then we will come back to the present situation again. And that is something we don't really want. Because we can't, you know, rely on the government. They are actually one sort of the money. Even if you are... Restaurant or small shops is going to, you know, go close down as a result of the of the economy. Nobody will be able to help you. The only way the government can help us is you keep our border control stringent, so that at the least the local community and the local economy can survive. And that is very important for the present day Hong Kong. We cannot, you know, you know, in a way to make sure that other industry like the Cafe Pacific or the hotel be able to accommodate a lot of the tourists, but at least we can protect maybe 95% of the of the working population on different sectors, on, you know, uh, drivers, on the restaurant, on the retail, on the shop, uh, of, the, of, the, of the shopping mall. At least we can have some space for the local economy to, to survive. Otherwise, you know, you may be able to attract some tourists on the first or second week, but if the pandemics in uh, if the of the outbreak is going to surge after that period, we'll go back to zero. That means we need to wear the mask again. The restaurant need to be closed down again. All the retail industry will be hard, 
will be uh, hurt hardly. So, so Dr. Okay. Cock, the, the elephant in the room, correct me if I'm wrong, seems to be the 33 exempted categories of people who trundle yeah. backwards and yeah. forwards across You're the right. border. You're, now, this yeah. is what I don't get. China seems to be really doing a good job not having cases popping up everywhere. Why is Hong Kong maintaining this um, very liberal approach to these people? I, I don't sense resistance from the other side to tightening it up, do you? Now, um, that is the whole issue that, you know, we, we, the, the concept of the exempted person. Now, the concept of the exempted person is that you don't need to do any testing before entering Hong Kong. Now, if this is a correct approach, the government is not only to allow you know people coming from mainland or may, may, may not be in Macau. They wanted to extend this concept to a lot of other places. But you know, in fighting against infectious disease, we only looking on the evidence. It needs to be evidence based. If the evidence based, we only lead, take on the result of the testing. So if you are going to do some testing for a person, like if you are doing business in China, maybe, uh, you need to travel rapidly, you know, from Hong Kong to China. But at least you need to do some testing before you entering Hong Kong for a period. Like if you, you can have the permit for seven days, uh, 14 days, and, and then after that you need to be tested again. You know that what has been done in China, they test these people again and again. Uh, apart from this so-called exempted person, if you, if you and I wanted to go back to China, we need to be tested. We need to be in a hotel, in a designated, designated hotel in, in, uh, with 14 days, without exemption. In China? Is, in China, yes. So why is Hong Kong not mirroring that? <laughs> I don't know. You better ask Kerry Lam. And that is uh, the whole issue. Because if we are not doing enough, to protect the community. The end result will be the whole community will suffer. And okay. that is where, what we learned from the recent experience. All right, so some, some emails, first of all, on... Uh uh, reflecting on the first part of our program this morning when we were talking about uh, the money. We're talking about uh, a cash uh, handout and uh, Craig says, in my view, we should follow the approach of the Jersey government. Key restrictions of their program are as follows. You can use your £100 spend local card uh, anywhere apart from outside of Jersey. Uh, you can't spend it online in gambling and betting establishments with businesses who don't accept MasterCard payment and with the government of Jersey departments, with the exception of government-run sports centres and education facilities. So in Jersey, that island off the uh, UK, part of the UK, um, you, uh, you get a local card to uh, spend money uh, locally with those restrictions. Um, Jay says we need to put better figures on the MPF. This is people talking about uh, people leaving the MPF. Are these retirees going to China or the Philippines? Your guests obviously use a domestic helper to go to the supermarket. We, the public, are not stupid. We see the prices being put uh, up to go down to a higher original price. Perhaps the government officials could explain to the public how we can live on 10000 a month, let alone 10000 for six months. Uh, G says it's totally disgraceful. The government has enforced a curfew, 6 p.m. and now 10 p.m. on the restaurants and imposed a ban on various industries for over two months and didn't help them financially when the government didn't do a good job on gatekeeping. Instead, they spent billions on an ineffective mass testing pr campaign when the money could be better spent. And Sam says the economy is not the stock market and the stock market is not the economy of a country. 
Uh, further, I'm not in favour of handouts. How is a handout going to assist tenants who have to pay rent or to the first-time mortgage payers? Only persons who benefit from handouts are the landlords and banks. Why don't the government seriously consider a six-month rent freeze for tenants who don't own property and to first-time mortgage payers? That suggestion is from Sam. Thanks very much indeed for that. We're joined now, as I say, by uh, Dr Henry Young, President of the Hong Kong Doctors' Union. Uh, Dr Young, good morning to you. Um, morning. First of all, what, what about the testing programme? Let's look, look back at it. Do you think a success or failure or something in between? What do you make of it? Well, first of all, I, I totally agree with Alcon about the a failure of the government in the border control. Actually, I've been seeing patients in my clinic who have been uh, back from Hong Kong for, for, for two days and they're just uh, going around to my clinic for, for minor illness and they're, they're finally confirmed COVID. And this is the, uh, the bad policy that the government is imposing on the border. I think with the cases rising uh, outside Hong Kong and with the coming winter times, we we should urge the government to control the border seriously this time. We should learn from the mistake from the third wave this time. You know, uh, regarding the, the, the texting program, I think as long as we can uh, identify silent cases, uh, I, 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 I would say it's a, it's a, it's a good job then. Uh, at least we can stop some, some chain of uh, uh, infection explosion uh, exposing chain among, among the, those uh, uh, detected cases. Was it, was it actually, worth the money? Actually, actually, yeah. Was it worth actually, the money? I, I think, I think the, the citizens' response of uh, uh, 1.778 million is expected. As I've said before, uh, in those cases, in those areas, epidemic areas, previously, uh, the government only can gather about 20% of those residents for the test. And if, if they have been given incentive, they be, they, the, the figure will, up, will rise to uh, 40%. That's, that's why I've been uh, uh, asking the government to give some incentive uh, in a next test, if there's anything, if there's any, any, any further test. And uh, if there's uh, some incentives like uh, a box of uh, masks, uh, uh, a lot of people will come uh, for the test. And secondly, uh, for the test, I think uh, the government has already uh, identified those uh, medical and health. Yeah, Karen, Dr. Young? Yeah, yeah medical, medical and health personnel to form the swapper team already. Uh, they, I, I think the government has already established a team for further testing if this is uh, required in, in future waves. And uh, uh, one drawback is that many of uh, those medical and health personnel, like doctors and the registrars, uh, they are not they are turned down in this uh, in this in this uh, program. Uh, I think there are enough personnel for that. And the first thing about the swabbing center, because I've been involved in the planning and also I've I've been involved in doing the test in, in the swabbing center yeah. too. I think the measures of uh, uh, infection control has to be improved next time. As far as the lab facilities and capability and also the logistics arrangement, I think that's, uh, that's okay for, for, this, for, for this time the test. I think this is a pilot test the government would consider uh, the, the areas that we can improve if there's any uh, uh, necessary for the next test in the, in the future waves of the COVID-19. The, 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 I, I think yeah. there's, there are uh, good, uh, high opportunity of getting a number of waves before we get the vaccine 
optimistically uh, in the in next year uh, winter, according to our uh, um, director of uh, food and health. Okay. Uh, what, what about the mainland experts and professionals who uh, who came over? Um, how, how do you think that they did? Uh, and these reports of them doing twelve-hour shifts and having to wear uh, diapers. Um, what's going on there? And apart from anything else, um, is that you talk about infection control? Does that make sense? I think those those people coming from China, they don't have to do uh, any tests, and uh, they they just got so-called medical quarantine, and they are free to to stay at home and go around and take take, take food outside and then go to the clinics, just like my patients. And for for for, for people, but for I mean no, like I mean the, I mean the experts who travel back to China. Yeah, to I mean, USA, to I, I mean, I'm talking about the experts. I'm talking about the experts who came over to help with the with the testing program. Okay. All right. Uh, some uh, emails uh, from this is from John, who says, "Okay, so the program is complete at great cost. Chalk this up on the lengthening list of tech and infrastructure projects, where the neo-colonial masters in Beijing decided that Hong Kong should spend its money to achieve results of dubious utility at great cost. The little-used Macau Zhuhai Bridge, for example, or the zippy new empty express rail tunnel. And I'm sure there will be more in the future. Time to move on." It's only money. That comes uh, from uh, John. And uh, Paul is raising the question of uh, uh, the latest measures. Uh, Paul says, swimming pools to reopen while beaches closed. The government knows what it's doing. Don't make me laugh. When the pools reopened last time, half the pools were closed off, plus half the lockers and changing areas were also taped off, meaning that social distancing was rendered impossible. None of this makes any sense, and it's time all this nonsense stops. That comes uh, from Paul. And uh, uh, E says, uh, this is a good Hong Kong story. Uh, e says, last Saturday, I finished a hike on Lantau at Moi Wo Beach. The beach staff was diligently keeping the controlled beach area closed, playing trilingual recordings over the PA that the beach was closed and occasionally coming out onto the beach with a loud hailer to chase people off the beach area. In the meantime, on either side of the controlled beach area, people were playing on the sand, swimming and paddling outside the shark nets. They really should have had a PA announcement saying swimming is not allowed inside the shark nets. While the government seems to be listening to economic woes of restaurants, gyms and bars and allowing them to reopen, it's also time to reopen the beaches, which can be enjoyed by anyone without expensive membership or bar bills. It must also be the case that it's safer to be outside on a beach than inside in a gym or a bar that comes uh, from E. Uh, uh, Key, uh, what, what do you think about that decision on the beaches? Is, it, is there an argument to open the beaches now? Uh, no, I think the whole issue is whether we can protect the border. So if we are going to keep our, our body well, uh, the border well, we can, of course, to relax very much on a lot of the, lo- the local facilities, like the beaches and even the bar. All this can be open without you know, really um, tempering the daily life. I, I think it is very, um, you know, it will be very welcoming if we can protect the border and to make sure that the community is free from the, from the virus and we are able to do all those things, like to uh, take out our masks and we are able to, you know, going back to the normal life, school children may be able to have the face-to-face uh, lectures. And that very much depends on how well or how much we can protect the, the city. And that is relying solely on the worst experience over the world is we, if we can, you know, stop the germs coming 
the virus coming from uh, other places, then we'll be able to contact the virus. Until when? Until we have a very effective vaccine, which is able to cover most of the population, then we'll be able to relax globally. We cannot only take into the situation in Hong Kong. Now, if you if you consider to open like the border again to the rest of the world, but we all know that in the many countries, you know, not you know, if you count out some places like uh, maybe Guangdong or maybe Taiwan, most of other countries are still suffering a lot as a result of this COVID-19. So you need to be very careful. If you can keep the city well, but if you open the border too soon, then the whole city will suffer. Dr. Kwok, how many infections occur outside in the open air as a percentage of overall? So it's very low. So that's why I said many times that we can, if we are able to follow the stringent rules like to keep the 1.5 meter uh, uh, social distancing, we shouldn't have this so-called um, the restriction on the numbers. Now is two. Only two can gather on the, on the outdoors because no evidence has been put so far that the so-called the outdoor infection rate is high. So that's why I don't know why the government, you know, so ridiculous, you know, they can allow relax to, you know, people in the bar uh, and allow people in the restaurant to up to four, or even uh, have their food up till midnight, 12. But then they, you know, restrict people on the outdoors. Okay. Uh, Dr. Yang, yeah. totally yeah. 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 what is it? We should keep it as a COVID-free area and don't introduce mass measures too hastily without any fault behind just, just what uh, Dr. Kwok has said. So you, you don't think there's any urgency for opening beaches? Because, yeah. so? yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, well, bars are open but not to, beaches. To wait for, for, for one or a couple of weeks before we can relax more on this. Okay. In fact, in fact, we are seeing the, the four cases coming. You can see around the world the figures of uh, COVID cases uh, are rising mm. in various countries, and uh, we are afraid of this will be bombarding Hong Kong if we are not uh, able to open the border. Okay, one more comment. This is from Ed, uh, who says, Dear Backchat, the 13 found cases from the mass testing, uh, that's the 13 uh, asymptomatic cases that uh, Kwok Kwoki was talking about, uh, may have been found with the normal system. Perhaps the government should publish the number of these 13 asymptomatic cases that went on to be symptomatic. Uh, without knowing the actual number found by mass screening, it can be assumed the number is artificially inflated. Uh, also, perhaps mass screening for TB should be conducted as there were 205 deaths uh, last year. That is from Ed. Thank you very much indeed, Ed, and to uh, everyone who joined us um, this morning. Thank you to Dr. Henry Young, President of the Hong Kong Doctors' Union, and to Dr. Kok Kaki, the Civic Party legislator. Anna, many thanks to you. Uh, here's the weather before we go. Sunny periods and a few showers. Isolated thunderstorms once again around at first. Uh, moderate east southeasterly winds and the outlook is going to be windy in the next couple of days. Sunny intervals tomorrow. And then more showers towards the weekend. 29 degrees at the moment. The relative humidity is at 88%. Hi, I'm Lazy Lion, and I'm usually quite laid back. But you can count me in to fight COVID-19. Here are my tips. Don't go to work and seek medical advice promptly if you're unwell. Avoid eating out or going out if it's not necessary. Keep at least one meter apart from others and avoid contact with people who show symptoms. 
social distancing can help prevent the spread of COVID-19. These are the tips for us to prevent COVID-19. 9.32, the news with Samantha Butler. A public doctor says the low number of coronavirus cases discovered in the government's two-week testing scheme isn't reassuring as the global pandemic is worsening. The scheme found 32 new cases after testing almost 1.8 million people at a cost of $530 million. Dr. Arasina Ma, the president of the Public Doctors Association, says future testing should use saliva samples, which people can do themselves, to reduce the cost of setting up collection centres with health staff to take throat swabs. Despite being delayed because of the coronavirus pandemic, the World Green Organization is hoping to host a series of recycling roadshows from next month. The Green Group says it collected more than 300,000 plastic bottles at similar events last year. The group's chief executive, William Yu, says it's a milestone that Hong Kong will have its own plastics recycling facility by the end of the year. And President Trump has hailed the dawn of a new Middle East as the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain signed diplomatic accords with Israel at the White House. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Stand by for the brew. Uh, sociology prof from the University. A set and costume designer. Great interpreter of Beethoven. As well. Oh, so shy, quiet and retiring doggy council. Co-founder of Rockefeller Records. Hello. This is a really for adults. It's not really for kids. Good morning. Yeah, well, it's fun, you know. Hello. Decide for what's happening behind the myth. Good morning. Inter- interviews and also observations. Absolutely no way. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. G'day, good morning, welcome to Wednesday here on The Morning Brew. I'm Phil Whelan. A few minutes from now, we're off to Texas for one last time to talk with Janice Jensen from Nevis Animal Speak. Seems she's finished the tunnel, back to Nevis next week, only to get locked up again. Anyway, today's topic is the balance between medical care and behavioural support. And if you want to join in, we will be on Facebook Live. We're going to welcome back our friends... Adriana and Miguel from the experimental band Deer. After 10, we've got a preview of a brand new track they've created with top British producer Mark Reader. Officially released tomorrow. Right here for you on The Brew a little bit later on. After 11.30, Philippe Dovar from RTL France with us for more reports and music. And after 12, our weekly visit to Chris Watts Motion Dynamics Studio in Central. Once again, join us on Facebook Live for that and ask away anything you like. 